Welcome everyone to the Transmission Line, the podcast from Samtech, where we talk about all things connectors. We are your hosts. My name is Dave. I'm Matt. At Samtech, we understand the value of being part of a team and our distribution partners are vital to what we get up to. And to talk about that today, we're delighted to welcome Luke, Luke Langlois from Avnet onto the podcast. Luke, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure, David. Uh, and before we dive into the, the meat of the conversation, can you give us an, an idea of your role and your areas of interest? Uh, well, certainly. I have been uh, at Avnet, I dare say, 24 years now, uh, which is quite a long time. <laughs> um, before that, I was uh, I, I, I graduated uh, Montreal Polytechnic um, a long time ago <laughs> and uh, worked at... Uh, the local hydro Quebec um, uh, electrical utility for the province doing uh, simulations on the, the the network. So a lot of a lot of math, a lot of um, yeah simulation back then. Uh, it was quite ancient. Uh, this was on Fortran seventy seven. So long that kind of dates it, you know. But then uh, eventually I became an FAE with uh, what was then Insight. And uh, that's where I met up with, with Matt, Matt Burns. And uh, then we were acquired by Avnet. And so now I'm part of uh, a group, actually, um, that is headquartered in, in Germany called Avnet Embedded, specializing in all the, uh, the boards, the development kits, and um, even SOMs for production. So my area of interest, I, I lead a, a smaller team within that group. Of, of specialists um, really focusing on high-speed digital signal processing, especially with FPGAs. So uh, amongst the uh, elite suppliers, uh, including Samtech, of course, uh, at Avnet, we, we do have a good relationship with uh, AMD, formerly Xilinx. And so I've been uh, involved with digital signal processing applications in, in wireless, uh, radar, communications. Now, you know, going into quantum computing, SATCOM, uh, MILCOM, all sorts of applications uh, through our association with, uh, with our partners. And, and as I mentioned, focuses very much on Xilinx FPGAs, SOCs, and, and, and the RF that goes around that. And of course, all the connectors that uh, ultimately find themselves on boards. So Luke, Luke it's, uh, I, I know that I, I appreciate the fact that you uh, publicly admit that we've known each other for almost two decades. So thank you. Uh, you're the slick, you're, you're among the select few that will admit that publicly. So thank you very much. Um, jokes, <laughs> jokes aside, <laughs> jokes aside uh, you know, in our history of, of working together, collaborating together, you know, uh, a lot of that's centered around FPGAs, you know, field, field programmable gate arrays. Uh, and obviously that compute engine technology has, spawned innovation that I'd, I think many in the, the uh, electronic components world couldn't have imagined uh, a decade or even two decades ago. Um, and, and maybe that's a good jumping off point is, you know, you mentioned our SOC technology system on chips. Uh, more specifically, I know you've been involved with, with RF SOCs. Uh, so, you know, obviously we're going to talk about a lot of applications that uh, RF technology is, uh, there a lot of, where RF innovation uh, is, is happening, uh, but more at the you know the baseband, the processor. Can you just exp expound on a, a little bit about what RFSOC technology is and and how that's really innovating 
so many of the industries that you that you touched upon? Uh, yeah, certainly, Matt. That that goes to the the core of of um, of our you know of our focus. Uh, well, pr- programmable logic, uh, or also known as FPGAs, I mean, they, that has evolved uh, recently uh, far beyond the, the traditional sea of gates um, that it started as. Uh, Xilinx started in 1985 with, you know, just very basic devices that, that implemented combinatorial logic and, and some registered logic. Uh, but now we're, it's a totally different set of, of devices. So several years ago, uh, Xilinx and now AMD introduced what's called RFSOC, and that was um, combining their 16 nanometer so-called MPSOC, which is a mix of processing. So there's some ARM cores there, uh, A53 ARM cores, multi-core, and as well as some, the, you know, the, the traditional FPGA fabric, the gates, the, the block RAM, the registers, where you can create a digital uh, applications, including DSP, <clears throat> but what they what they added were multi-channel direct RF data converters. These uh, the original first generation ranged from uh, you know almost DC to six gigahertz. Uh, they've subsequently come out with uh, the the DFE version, so-called, that reaches up to a little past seven gigahertz. And so this is a really important innovation because now the data converters, the multi-channel, uh, eight, eight channels and there's a 16 channel devices are now in the same part. So they're now tightly coupled. Um, in the past, uh, data converters uh, were, you know, from other companies uh, had to interface over uh, a protocol called JESD 204B, now C, which requires uh, digital transceivers and uh, all sorts of synchronization. But now they're with RFSOC, the data converters are in directly in the part and uh, very tightly coupled to, to do the signal processing right behind the, the streams of data that are coming off the data converters. Well, uh, just to, to illustrate a little bit, let's you know, take, uh, for example, take the physical layer in 5G, right? The phi layer. After the data converters, uh, let's say on the receiver from the ADC, you know, there's all sorts of functions that have to happen and that a lot of those are implemented in the, the traditional so-called FPGA or what's called the programmable logic. Things like uh, synchronization, channel estimation, of course, demodulation, all the way down to decoding, L- L- LDPC, uh, decoding to retrieve the, uh, the payloads and then send that up to the higher layers. So all that requires high-speed signal processing. That's exactly what the RFSOC is, is meant to do. That's become like a full-time focus for my, my group. And, uh, you know, data converters require our front ends and the signal integrity uh, from the antenna uh, through the, the RF, possibly mixers to mix up and down from a millimeter wave down to the six gigahertz bandwidth. So the signal integrity piece and, the, and of course, the interconnect that, that brings those signals in and out of the, the device are critical because if the signal to noise or, or, you know, if it's corrupted before it reaches the data converter, the ADC, then all bets are off. It's hard to retrieve some fidelity. The, the association with Samtech, of course, has been uh, really important on the RF front uh, ahead of those integrated data converters. Well, we appreciate the opportunity to work with, with uh, Avnet, uh, Avnet Embedded, uh, as well as other ecosystem partners, test and measurement companies like Rodian Schwartz, uh, RFIC companies like Otava and the like, Luke. Uh, in the past, I know you and I have talked about 
how it, you know the the disruption, if you will, that this RFSOC technology uh, is bringing to a number of designs that that or a number of applications that used to be, let's say, maybe chipped down or discrete. Uh, so obviously, innovation makes the designs more functional, denser, hopefully more cost effective in the long run. But when you add so much functionality and when you add so much uh, innovation to a new technology, you know that seems like that could also you know challenge the designer. Just from our collaborations, you know, we've had to include RF designers, SI designers, system modelers, PCB designers, software engineers, firmware engineers, FPGA engineers, and the like. And I'm probably missing other other uh, engineering verticals uh, or, or engineering uh, disciplines. Excuse me. So I, I guess I'm asking a two-pronged comment here, or two, two-pronged question. One, from your perspective, what are some of the applications where this RFSOC technology uh, is, is really disrupting? Um, and then two, maybe as a follow-on, is how is a multidisciplinary engineering approach needed to design for these, for those, for these applications? So the, first, the answer to the first question, uh, there, there are a, a set of, uh, of, of very precise yet quite wide RF and, and wireless applications. So I, the, the sweet spot for the RFSOC, given that it has multiple channels, like I said, eight and, and even 16 channels, that really opens up the, the possibility for beamforming. Beamforming is, is something that is applicable in, in many wireless applications. Phase array radar is probably one of the most prevalent use cases that we see for, within our customer base. But there are others, of course, the communications. I mentioned the 5G, the SATCOM, and any time that you want to propagate millimeter wave signals through, through the air, which have a higher propagation loss than you know, sub-6, you really need the beamforming to focus the energy and, and get the signal at any uh, distance higher up in frequency that you're trying to transmit in terms of your carrier. Uh, the more important the beamforming, and then the multi-channel data converters for something called hybrid beamforming or digital beamforming become absolutely essential. So those are a couple of the uh, the applications that are really a sweet spot for the RFSOC and, and of course, all the RF that goes out in front. Uh, but we're seeing some others coming, really emerging. Quantum computing is a totally different wireless application. I don't know much about it, uh, but but some of the folks on my team do focus on it with some customers, some, some really big names developing these, these quantum computers. Basically, you kind of need to excite the so-called qubits with, with an RF signal. It's not up in the millimeter wave, but it's, it's a good application for RFSOC, and we're, we're seeing that come online. I mentioned SATCOM. Uh, that's also very, very big uh, and, and, and super wide in terms of applications and, and carrier frequencies and RF and signal integrity and uh, some some medical imaging as well requires some, some applications in beamforming that that could be called upon in the RFSOC, and there are some other uh, you know some other miscellaneous applications. Uh, ground penetrating radar one. Um, we have some customers who are doing some systems that can recognize faults in various construction. Like you know, uh, there's a customer over in Europe that that uses RFSOC to detect uh, faults in old structures like churches and bridges and, and things like that. So all sorts of, you know, interesting applications there. So that's sort of the application space. And your other question was about the multidisciplinary. Well, 
Yeah, sure enough. All the personas that you mentioned are now kind of coming together on one device. No doubt about it. There, there is a traditional divide between a lot of these players. Software versus firmware is the typical one where there's, you know, I've been supporting customers for many, many years now. And you get into situations where people are basically finger pointing because, you know, where's the bug? Oh, it's in the software. No, it's in the firmware. And then it goes around and around. Now you add the data converters. And so you have analog coming in and off of the, of the part. And so that's another discipline, you know. And then you add test and measurement, as you mentioned, which is a completely other set of skills. I mean, a, a test engineer is, is, is a persona in and of itself. And working with Rodian Schwartz, we've really been exposed to the, the complexity of testing some of these systems, especially at millimeter wave over the air. We work with partners uh, doing millimeter wave beamforming. And, and, and then you throw in, uh, like you said, the signal integrity at the board level, uh, modeling, tools like HFSS for uh, layout, you know, uh, testing and, and, and modeling and, and simulation. It's a challenge. And that's why we're seeing these, these systems in these applications take two plus years from the start of experimentation to uh, even... A prototype because it, it does require a, a really tight collaboration between all the all the personas, all the engineering disciplines to to make this a success. Look, I I think that kind of leads into uh, another comment and question. You know, one of the things that Samtech is seeing, and this is mainly in the data center, at, you know, at bleeding edge high speeds, uh, and I think this would apply. I, I guess this would apply in this application is is that OEMs in the data center they want to see a complete solution. They don't just want to see, you know, the fastest piece of silicon from an IP or a Certes vendor and the connector, you know, from Samtech and the, the, the laminate from the PCB guys and et cetera, et cetera. They want to see everything work together. We collect, you know, Samtech's collaborating in the data center space. You know, we're collaborating with the IC vendors. We're, we're collaborating with the uh, IP, uh, the EDA vendors, test and measurement, uh, like you mentioned. And it's really about building an ecosystem to show the collaboration uh, and the fact that a signal will tra travel from silicon to silicon at 224, uh, 224 gigabits per second, PAM4. Obviously, there's there's parallels in terms of system performance between something high speed digital and something that's millimeter wave or micro you know, or microwave uh, from the RF standpoint. But my guess is is there's a lot of collaboration in terms of solutions. Uh, I can't you know having worked with you and, and having supported some of the customers and even some of the, back in my design days, RF is doing RF design is not simple. You know, it's, it's, it's a specialization. It requires, you know, you, typically the engineers with more experience, they just know how to make things work. So I, I, I guess I'm asking two questions here again. I'm, I'm good at asking multiple questions. One, you know, are we seeing that co increased collaboration within this RFSO, FSO, RFSOC ecosystem, excuse me. And then two, to help simplify those designs, what type of tools or solutions are the Avnets or the Rodian Schwartzes or the Samtechs or, or whatever, what are they producing to, to help simplify the design shorten time to market uh, for these, these RFSOC-based applications? Yeah, again, some really good questions. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, to touch on some of the earlier points you made, definitely customers now and engineering teams are demanding starting points out of the box that not their final product, but there's enough 
infrastructure that that has a demonstration design that works the software works the uh if you're running an os like we do for example the linux kernel all the drivers um and 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 those drivers can be controlling some custom ip in the in the fpga fabric um you mentioned the transceivers of course for very high speed digital links between the chips yes you you to have any hope of success uh, these days, you must provide some out-of-the-box functionality that they can then start to build upon without having to design everything from scratch. Otherwise, it would take you know years and years. So yes, it is very much a collaborative ecosystem amongst many partners. Uh, we work with, I mentioned, I mentioned AMD Xilinx. We work very closely uh, with MathWorks as well, who are in... Um, very well known for MATLAB and Simulink, but have a lot of application-specific toolboxes in a range of, of applications, uh, RF, AI, deep learning, SATCOM, radar, even finance, uh, a lot of imaging, video. So they have tools to take actual mathematical models and generate code, whether both, both C code for the processor and uh, HDL code. Um, now that doesn't replace, you know, an experienced hardware designers, but it does allow for very fast prototyping. And of course, we work with you with Samtech for all the signal integrity, the board level, um, the the modeling of at the PCB level, the traces, the vias, and and how the signal is actually uh, preserved or distorted as it as it makes its way from the the antenna into the uh, the, the data converters and then into the DSP that I described. Uh, so yes, it is is very very much uh, an ecosystem play, and each of those partners brings their their experts to interface with the their counterparts at the engineering teams within the customer. So you know, there's nothing like <clears throat> setting up a call with an FAE or or a signal integrity expert from Samtech to talk to customer XYZ on their signal integrity issue instead of trying to fake it with you know, uh, a DSP guy, which, you know, so it's priceless to be collaborating like this across the various partners. So that was your, your first question. The other one, well, I kind of touched on it, the tools. So you mentioned the tools. Yeah. So let me, I'll throw out a name because we work a lot with, with this two tools from MathWorks that specifically for programmable logic and the RFSOC, we have board support for HDL coder, which is a tool that takes a, a Simulink or a, a MATLAB, rather, algorithm in MATLAB, which you can simulate and, and see how that works in, on your PC, and then generates HDL code ready for the synthesis tool to implement in the programmable logic of RFSOC or, or any FPGA. And they don't just support, you know, Xilinx, they support the Intels and, and the, uh, some of the other vendors as well. The other tool is SOC Builder, or uh, sorry, SOC Block Set, I should say, which is um, really focused on RFSOC because it's it, it can partition or it can help to allocate tasks that are better suited to run on the processor and software and the versus the FPGA, the deterministic signal processing in the FPGA fabric. Now you add to that some of the RF simulation and modeling capabilities. Um, they have something called phase array toolbox where we build all manner of beam forming, hybrid beam forming, digital beam forming, for various applications, 5G, radar, EW, 
even audio beamforming, you know, with, with microphones and speakers, uh, antenna, antenna toolbox. That's another tool that, 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 that we work with from MathWorks where you, you can uh, model various, uh, you know, you can build a, a dipole or, or a Vivaldi antenna or put that into an array. Um, they have a signal integrity toolbox as well. You know, it's, it's not, it's not HFSS, but, um, it, it gets you to the first order. And so we combine all those tools and, uh, leverage them to provide customers that, that starting point in, in the various multidisciplinary aspects of, of the engineering design. Um, and so you're really talking the language that, that each of these experts on the team wants to talk about. The language of signal processing is not the language of RF, is not the language of signal integrity, certainly not the language of, of, of software and, and Linux drivers and, and such and hypervisors. And, and it's not the language of high-speed transceivers. You mentioned, you know, um, the transceivers for interchip. You know, you have all sorts of protocols there. And it's not the language of TCP IP stacks. So, <laughs> you know, providing uh, customers with, with, with out-of-the-box starting points that have been authored by a team in each of these applications and specialties is, is really priceless. I know in working with you, Luke, I've been forced to expand my comfort zone from a technology standpoint. Uh, you know, I've got a good electronics background, uh, electronic component background, but just by working with these experts from, you know, Rodian Schwartz and from AMD and from, you know, Fuji Koro, Tava, other RFIC de uh, designers, I've picked up more RF than I thought I'd ever learn professionally. Or I've picked up more uh, from a uh, programmable logic standpoint, just to understand the, the, the functionality of the chip. And I'm not even a, a technology implementer. So I agree with your point that not only are we seeing increased collaboration, but uh, engineers who are working on or technologists that are working on, or technicians working on these uh, multidisciplinary uh, applications, really have to develop and uh, perfect new skill sets. It's it's not the, the depth of, of technology that's that's used in these applications requires increased skill sets and and, and and technical agility to really implement the solutions. And you know the collaborations we see, I think, are driving that home. We see that every day with customers. You know, there there is there is what I would term a language barrier between all these disciplines. And even within the same team, I was on a call last week with a major defense customer, and, and this was obvious that they were not talking the same language, they don't use the same tools, and yet they have to implement something in the same part or, or set of parts. Uh, so yeah, um, it, it is challenging for, for engineers now. I mean, I spend just a a lot of time just reading, you know, just reading papers as the applications themselves, you know, uh, evolve is, is tough enough, you know, like we're, we're into 6G now. And, uh, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time. Just... That scares me to <laughs> death, man. Well, and, I don't want to think about and, that. And not only that, but 6G is, is heavily into AI and deep learning. So go figure, you know, I mean, you, we used to see deep learning in speech recognition in, in video applications, you know, recognizing license plates and, and, and making sure cars don't bump into each other and such. But now it's into um, waveform recognition and channel estimation. So how do you, you know, learn all that stuff in, in a lifetime? It's, yeah, it is really challenging for, for engineers. And so as time goes on, they're, they're demanding more and more 
known starting points that, that have been pre-engineered and, and they can build upon without having to build everything from scratch. But it doesn't get any easier. So I, so I guess this is a connector podcast. We have to talk about connectors for a little bit. And, and David was, tech, was, was chatting me a question he wants to ask. So I'm a, before I talk too much, Dave, you want to take that next one? Sorry about that, buddy. One thing I'm going to do is, is kind of echo what you said in that uh, talking about these technologies has forced me to, to move outside of my comfort zone as well. There's a lot of technologies here that, that goes back to what Luke's just said, is how can you learn it all? There's so many different elements of this ecosystem. And it's, I think it's very easy for us as connected people to view the world through our own little channel, our own little lens, and think oh, it's, it's all about the connector and, and, and everything else is kind of not related. But it, more than ever, that ecosystem is built up of all these components that have to work together. Um, and it certainly has challenged me. You said about your electrical background. You talked before, I've got a mechanical background, but it, it means that I'm having to, to challenge some of those ideas that I've had uh, to try and understand it. Um, I was going to ask a question, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to phrase this right, but with this combined ecosystem, how can engineers calibrate this system all the way from the antenna all the way down to, to the other end? Is it, are we talking about the latest, the, the latest test equipment, the millimeter wave stuff? How can a, an engineer calibrate this whole system? Yeah, well, certainly. Um, so anytime you have uh, either cables or, or interconnect, um, there, especially at the higher, as, as the frequencies go up in, in, at the higher frequencies, up to millimeter wave and beyond, you know, we're, we're into like FR2 now for 5G is between 24 and somewhere around 39 or, you know, past that gigahertz. The higher up the frequency, the more insertion loss through through the interconnect, the cables. The, the one thing that we've uh, we seem to do a lot of is modeling the various interconnect and cabling with with S parameters. So it becomes part of the circuit, and then it's a question of determining how much insertion loss do I have through that. Uh, how good is my impedance matching at every boundary? Uh, and even through the various vias and and the traces and the layout, the multi multi layer, you know, a, a lot of this is Rogers material, which is super expensive and exotic, and um, has its own properties in terms of the the signal integrity that has to be taken into account. What we've seen is uh, for for long cable runs, especially at high frequencies, it becomes essential to to determine not only the uh, the, the the S parameters, but also um, you know what? What's the frequency response, and to and to equalize that out, that's a major task, especially on wideband signals. You know, some of these the signals that we're digitizing, uh, we're, we're you know, five G now, eight hundred megahertz carrier aggregation is is typical, and uh, we're seeing now twelve hundred and sixteen hundred megahertz, and EW of course, electronic warfare. You know, they want to digitize from. <laughs> DC to daylight, so really wideband signals, and and there's a frequency response there that has to be equalized out from the interconnect because it's it's not it's not purely linear phase and such. So phase and frequency have to be carefully uh, equalized out of any test harness or test setup. 
I'm no, I'm no expert in test and measurement, especially at RF, but what I've seen a lot of, especially working with Rodian Schwartz and Samtech, is the use of, of vector network analyzers, VNAs, and, and multi-port VNAs to, uh, to, to, yeah, to test the frequency response. And then to, to the equipment now, the test equipment, for example, has uh, the capability to estimate the, the frequency response and phase and frequency and magnitude and phase, rather and to equalize that out in the test equipment itself. So what you're looking for is, is to abstract out the effects of any interconnect, any cabling, even down to the traces uh, on the board. And then you've got a better chance of, of actually measuring and interpreting and analyzing the signals that, that are you know, making their way through the data converters. So those are the types of techniques that, uh, that are commonly used that, that, that we see. And again, I'm, I'm no signal integrity expert. I'm, I'm a DSP guy learning it, yeah, just by osmosis from, from working with the, uh, the experts in the various companies like Samtech and, and Rody and Schwartz and MathWorks as well. Um, but those are some of the techniques that we've seen because, um, as I said, you, you, you really want to take all the interconnect out of the, the signal path to really see what, what is coming off the antenna and making its way into the digital. Look, I, I appreciate your observations on that topic. And, you know, I, I know from Samtech's perspective, we've probably about five to seven years ago, you know, Dave and I have talked about this in other instances, you know, Samtech kind of pivoted uh, in terms of our RF strategy. We used to have a lot of uh, we still do. We have a, lot, a number of solutions that were sub 18 gigahertz uh, that played in almost every application. But, you know, we fancy ourselves as a differentiated interconnect provider, not only from the solutions that we that we offer, but also from our, our, our service, our commit to, commitment to our customers, the technology, the technical support that we that we offer. And, you know, we realized that if we want to differentiate ourselves in this RF space, we, we really need to come up with interconnect solutions that would work at emerging and emerging markets, right? RFS, there's, there's synergies between uh, RFSOC and our millimeter wave micro, microwave uh, strategy to offer anything from 18 gigahertz to 110 gigahertz. So it's not quite DC to daylight, uh, as you mentioned, but it's still, still very robust. Um, we've seen too is... I guess two points I'd make is no matter how cool the second, we see this in the data center, right? No matter how cool the silicon is, you still need interconnect to make it work. So whether that's uh, PCB connectors, you know, which we have a number of solutions for individual and ganged, the cable itself, you know, we're, we're, we're over investing in being able to make uh, some of the best cable in the, in the business, which is really a, you know, a, a new, new venture for us, but all of this, all of this uh, innovation that we see in the industry, we're also trying to play our part so that we can help optimize the performance from antenna to bits uh, in these RFSOC applications. So, you know, we're real excited to see, you know, we've, we've benefited from and we're real excited to see, you know, the success uh, and the innovation that we've seen over the next, over the last, say, three to five years through the collaboration with, with Avnet, Rody, and, and, and other partners that we've talked about. But, we're equally as excited to see, more importantly, we're equally excited to see where this innovation, this collaboration, this integration, if you will, uh, goes moving forward. Well, yeah, you, you, you've become a, a, an essential part of the design. No way around it. I mean, I recall, I mentioned the Gen 1 RFSOC, which came out about five years ago, and the, the first uh, generation of boards called the ZCU-111, which, which a lot of people still use. 
And then I recall that you worked, uh, Samtech, very closely to optimize the layout on the LPAM multi-channel data converter RFDC uh, subsystem. And that was critical uh, because you were able to improve the, the isolation between the channels, which is so important. It, it makes or breaks uh, design. I mean, if, if you can't get the signals on and off without really good isolation, and now we're seeing in the industry, you know, up, up to 70 dB of, of, of isolation being demanded. And so I, I recall that you, you had optimized that layout on your LPAM between the, the Gen 1 and the Gen 3, and, and that, that just improved it a lot. Uh, and, and of course, we you, you, you've helped us with uh, with the signal integrity through the various, uh, you know, we use the CMATE, the ISO rate on our SOMs. We, we use the Firefly as well for the digital piece. So all of those things have, have really become uh, integral part of the design process and the solution. Luke, we're going to make an, a Samtech salesperson out of you yet. <laughs> I get that comment from a lot of partners. Yeah, well, you, you, I don't think you need me, but but I can certainly uh, appreciate the uh, the collaboration. So one of the, the key things that I've taken from this is is the integration, is that ecosystem. There was a time where connectors were kind of an also-ran in terms of the technology. They were a necessary evil, but they didn't necessarily have much in the way of an effect on whatever the system was doing. With this new generation of uh, technology, the connector is as important as any other element in ensuring that uh, a system works from one end to the other. Um, and I think that's that's one of the key things that Luke's been able to, to give us. He's got an insight into uh, a, the broader aspect of, of industry that we at Samtech might not necessarily always see because Luke is working with so many different partners. I think it's a, a really interesting point, certainly something I think we'll, we'll return to is the, the role of connectors and how vital connectors are in into that ecosystem and how they work. For now, I'm going to say, Luke, thank you for talking to us today and, and thank you for giving us that insight into that ecosystem and how everything integrates together. Well, you're very welcome, uh, David and Matt. Always a pleasure. Um, Samtech is, is such a professional organization that it's, it's really great to be working with you. I, we appreciate it on the Avnet side. On behalf of Avnet, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to, uh, to speak to you today. Thanks, Luke. We, re- we really appreciate it. And thank you all to, to the audience for listening. But please don't just listen. We'd love you to be part of this conversation. Do please leave comments. Let us know uh, your thoughts on any of the aspects that we've talked about today. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon on the next episode. And until then, share us with your colleagues, leave us a like, and maybe even subscribe to the channel. Thank you very much for listening to the Santec Transmission Line, and we will see you again soon.